0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stand Down Podcast. I'm Daniel Reskin, 14 year stand up comedy veteran slash failed stand up comedian slash future comedy star. Welcome to the pod where we talk about the love-hate relationship of comedy, stand up, and figure out why stand ups stand down. We've heard success stories, all right? They're boring. (laughs) This is, let's hear some real shit out. Okay, today's episode we got Brad Galley. I know him from the Denver comedy scene. We did lots of shows together and then he quit. Guess what? He unquit. That's a thing you can do, apparently. I didn't know. It would have changed everything if I realized you could just stop and go whenever you please. Uh just kidding. We're gonna find out the story behind that and more. Got my quarantine hair in check today, ready to go on a comedic journey of discovery and understanding. Let's go, shall we? What's up, Brad? Hey,
1: what's up, Daniel? How you doing, man?
0: I'm doing well, as anyone can be. That's good. You know, not as anyone could be. I'm sure people could be weller than I am right now, but yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. (laughs) How about yourself?
1: I'm doing okay. I just walked, just walked my dog. Did a little yoga earlier. Simple pleasures. Yeah. So we've
0: spoken to mostly comedians who have walked away, for the most part, or a few pauses here and there. Uh, you are a first comedian who has quit and then returned to stand-up mm. comedy. Okay.
1: So how many, how many guests have you had
0: so far? Three ha, thousand. No, you're the eighth. <laughs> okay. You are the eighth. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. After 14 years of comedy, I know too many guests who are perfect for this podcast.
1: Yeah, I bet, man.
0: Because they're wow. just comedy, chews people up. Yeah, and, it does. Um does. And I'm, I'm sure you know about that. What is it that essentially started your path
1: walking away from comedy several years ago? It's interesting. I, I was a little busy. I was, it was mainly like financial stuff. Like I was, I moved to Denver in early 2011, and for. I managed to work, make it work. You know, I was in school and I managed to make it work, you know, just doing like very menial, like part-time work, like maybe working 20 hours a week mm-hmm. and just doing as much comedy as I could. And I moved up here with some money saved. So I was just kind of, you know, just trying to make as much as I could to cover a few bills. But then, you know, money started to run out. I had to move into a, a another place where my rent was a little bit higher. And I basically was getting to a point where, I had no money. Uh, I mean, I was I was getting booked on a decent amount of gigs, but I wasn't at the point where I was getting gigs that could you know I could live off of. Like maybe I'd make twenty bucks here or something like that. And it just I started comedy when I was twenty, and when I kind of decided to walk away, I was twenty four to twenty five. So mm-hmm. you change a lot in those years. I think from you know your early twenties to your mid twenties. And then to your late twenty you, you grow so much in that ten year span. So I kind of I mean, I was a different person than when I started. I was thinking I still liked performing, like doing shows, but mm-hmm. I didn't I wasn't liking the grind as much. Like I didn't really want to go to open mics anymore. And I was kinda of like, I don't know if I really wanna do this. And it's also like I don't have any money right now. So I just kind of stepped away because I started working two jobs and I was still in school. So I
0: mm-hmm.
1: I really thought I I needed I needed to graduate school and I needed, I don't i I, I just, I needed money. It started as kind of like, I thought it would be very temporary and then it kind of, this I think what happened- Like the, yeah. the, you were just gonna pause, make a little money and then jump right yeah. back? I never thought I'd be away as much as I could. And I think what happened is early on, or you know, a couple months into not being around it, I was like having a good time. I was kind of, I guess, enjoying not doing comedy. And I was like, maybe, cause I always thought it's like, you know, I'm gonna, this is what I want to do. This is my dream. But I was like, maybe I don't need to do it. And it kind of, maybe it was a relief to not be doing it for a while. So Take really the like the, off for a minute. Yeah, really for like the, and, you know, I was meeting new people that didn't, didn't really know I was a stand-up. And I think I was getting into kind of a negative headspace towards the end of when I was doing comedy. I was just kind of hating on a lot of stuff. And I was just, you know, being kind of miserable. So it was kind of nice to not do that. But then once I had been away for a lot longer, then I kind of started to get more depressed. And I was like, well, really, I don't, I mean, I was writing, I was going to school for creative writing. So I was being creative in some aspects. You were I was still writing... in that world. You weren't, yeah, I was you writing, like wanted to short abandon movies. the creative world to, to make a living. Yeah, I mm-hmm. was still, you know, I had a creative outlet, but then I really kind of, I, I just missed performing. And I, didn't, I don't think I realized that at first, but I got kind of, I just realized like there's something missing in my life. And I kind of tried, I think I was trying to lie to myself early on. I was well, it's not stand up. Like, you know, you just need to, you you need to finish school or maybe you need to get into a relationship. I kept thinking it was all these other things, but then it was just kind of this, it was always like in the back of my head, like something that I felt like I needed, needed and wanted to do when it started. It -hmm. was like easier early on and it was kind of a relief, but then it started to kind of eat at me that I wasn't doing it.
0: Very Yeah. That's very interesting. It's like, yeah, kind of in those cliche ways where they say like guys are very happy after the breakup initially, but then after a few months, they're depressed about all the things they lost or yeah. you know, different, kind of the different styles of coping with the end of a relationship because that's what it is in a way. Yeah, um, exactly. So when, when you got to the point where you were quitting, you were all in, in standup comedy, had no jobs uh, and you were, Were you just like, I'm going to make it as a stand-up or nothing? Or like, because there's, you know, a big choice is kind of like, am I going to grind and work a day job? Or am I going to grind and just hustle for gigs and live with roommates and scrounge and yada, yada? And both are valid choices for the person. but, But, you know, getting to that breaking point where you're like, oh, shit, I have no money. Was it like you ran out of runway or just like you kind of hoped you would have made it by then or
1: yeah I think I, I'm kind of probably more just running out of runway it kind of felt like I really don't think it, it was probably something I hadn't thought through that well like I just how much I just, runway I,
0: people need like yeah some I just kind of knew like I wanted I, wanted
1: I wanted to do stand-up but I didn't really have like any you know any kind of plan to like make money from it or kind of live off of it i just knew that i wanted to perform it so i was performing it and like my my craft was getting a lot better like i became a lot better of a stand-up comedian in that time I, i really did work hard at it but at the same time like that doesn't translate into being able to live off of it like it's very there's so many talented comedians that make no money like you it's amazing how many comics i see like even you know comics that have been on tv or on netflix and a lot of them are barely scraping by like they like you, you think like well, maybe they're not rich, but some of them aren't even comfortable. Like it's like it's at a point where it's like they're, they miss a few gigs here or there, and their whole life gets thrown into disarray. right. You got and a that's slightly a whole,
0: nicer apartment, slightly nicer bill. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're at the exact same spot. were. Yeah.
1: yeah. And people that don't do stand up really don't get that because they see the ten comics in the world that are rich, like mm-hmm. the people that guys that can maybe do arenas or the few of the comics that can maybe do theaters. And it's like, yeah, I'd love to do that, too. But, like, they have no idea the hundreds and hundreds of other hilarious comedians out there that are doing, you know, clubs on the road or trying to do one, one-nighters wherever they can. And, I mean, it's it's a mix of hard work and luck. Like, you have to bust your ass and put your name out there. But it's, at some point, like, some things just go the right way for certain comics, and they don't for other comedians. And, and like, comedy, it's so much more than just being funny. Like, there's something, like having a niche like some people just appeal to a broader audience and some people just just have a look that works for certain things sometimes and it just there's a lot of things that go into whether you hit or not
0: right Those, those x factors are so interesting and like when do you think it's hard to come to that understanding as a comedian that you might do everything right but still lose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. that does.
1: That is a hard pill to swallow. And I think just having to realize it's like, well, it's it's more than just being funny, too. Like you have, and it's there's other work, and that doesn't mean that you in you fact shouldn't.
0: right. Sometimes you're sacrificing funny for other aspects of what would make a good career, like working harder, hustling, marketing. You know, spending a lot of time on things that aren't rewriting jokes and stuff like that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And you do have to devote time to stuff like that. And I think that was the hardest thing for me to kind of understand, like, you know, promoting myself better or networking is also a big one. Like being, you know,
0: we all go through that for sure. Yeah,
1: Networking is something I've gotten better at that. I was terrible at before just, you know, communicating with comics from other scenes or, you know, talking to producers and just being, you know, kind of more open and not being afraid to just ask for certain things or Mm -hmm. just trying to, Because as I mean, as comics, we all we all feel like we're the greatest in the world, but we also suck at the same time. And like, why would any? Why do I deserve anything? So that kind of can stop you from trying to think you deserve like certain shows, or you think people would want to be invited to something rather than reaching
0: out to ask.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Sure. Which I totally am guilty with. There's all those prestigious shows in Denver. I. It's like oh I don't want to bother them and ask them but then like when I was booking a show I love when people ask it's like oh great yeah, yeah.
1: you know um, it does help I book a show too and sometimes people reach out to you and sometimes it is annoying you're like well this is someone I don't want to book but then sometimes it's like oh my god I, I forgot about this person I'm glad they reached out to me because I mean there's so many comedians in the Denver scene now I forget about people like there's people that are very funny and it's just like you it's nothing personal. It's just like, oh, I, you know, I forgot how funny that. Maybe you haven't seen them. Like they're going to different mics that you're going to. And yeah. Like, oh, I, I forgot that this person was around. I'm glad they reached out so I can put them on my show. So it's, sometimes it's it's a good right. thing to do. And meanwhile, that person could be like,
0: oh, does Brad hate me? He does. He never wants me on the show. I thought we were yeah. friends. What a two faced ass. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's the thing I've had to remember too. It's like I think that too. I'm like, oh, this person probably hates me. And when in reality, I'm like, they're not thinking about you. Like. As comics, we're thinking about ourselves all the time, like it's yeah,
0: we're thinking about who else hates us.
1: Yeah, it's like they're they're not no one's like sitting around, like they're just thinking they're thinking about them, like not no one's thinking about you. and you it have is. To
0: worry about it.
1: Yeah. that's
0: that's the uh, the interesting team dynamic thing of of mm-hmm. stand-up, and um, you know, we're all together as stand-up comedians, yet there's only so many spots on that stage, and we are technically in competition with each other. Yeah. Though so I hate comedy competitions, I you know I realize their their value and stuff, but mm. it, it is still weird to me to think of comedy as being like a competitive kind of a sport. Um, I know you're a big sports fella. Um, yeah, I love sports, yeah. That mentality, the the sports fan, that fire, that kind of competition. How do you think that has affected your standup and this is coming from someone with zero of that okay so i kind of marvel at like how that ties into the stand-up comedy personality if it makes them more tenacious or maybe there's some pitfalls
1: cuz they do see it more like a kind of a sport mm-hmm. what do you think well it's it's depends because i'm uh i'm not an insanely competitive person like i'm a big sports fan like i have my teams that i root for but like as like a as like a person i'm not like an insanely, you know, type a personality or like crazy competitive. Like if I play like board, like I obviously want to win, but if I like play like board, like a board game, or if I'm doing something else, like it's not like, it doesn't ruin my whole day. If I lose, like I know. You're not that competitive. I, yeah. And I think that was the benefit of growing up playing sports. And that's a huge, I think that's the biggest thing, or the biggest benefit for kids growing up playing sports is you learn how to lose. And like, that's something I learned. Cause that's a very mm. important lesson to learn in life. And, you know, I I had a hard time with it early on, but luckily, you know, I had a good father who would kind of mention, he's like, well, this is, he would always turn it into a life lesson. He's like, well, this is gonna happen in life. Like life is full of things that aren't gonna work out for you. So I think that's a a great way if, you know, if you have good parents like I did and you have kids and you have good guidance with their sports, you can learn a lot of life lessons in it. So I've kind of learned like, hey, this is, it isn't always gonna work out. So that's kind of helped with comedy. So the guidance
0: definitely helps with sports because maybe some people get the sports but without the guidance and then to kind of end up with the the rage and the
1: exactly yeah and like i hate i mean they're 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 their own i hate comedy competitions because i feel like it's there's so many different you know so many different styles and it's it's hard to judge like i don't i don't don't, think right there's way you can judge comedians but it's hard to judge them against each other and it's like, are you going to judge basically on on who had the best audience response? Are we judging on most original material? Are we just their there's personality so... seems more well developed than the other personality? It's like, yeah, right. There's so let many. Let whatever facets. is
0: going through the judge's head.
1: Yeah, and i yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But if you if you look at like comedy as a whole as a competition, like that can be a, it can be a negative or a positive thing. Like it, you can let it either like you. If you think of, like, everyone as your enemy, well, then it's not going to be – that's not a good mindset to live in if you think, well, everyone's out to get me and I have to get everyone else. That is a way, I guess, to be successful, but it's not a way to be, you know, to be, to be very happy with what you're doing or make good relationships right. in it the comedy like, community.
0: It seems like a way to do one of the most fun things you could possibly do in a very unfun way by like yeah closing you can, yourself off to some of the coolest people you'll ever meet.
1: Yeah, you can is isolate yourself. And I've right. seen there's a lot of people that have done that. Hmm. They they isolate themselves. But you can also look at it in, in a healthy way and look at these the people, your peers, as people who are trying to push you and you're like, well, wow, this person is really funny. I want to be as funny or as, as as good on stage as them. So it makes you work harder to get to that. So it's like it's a way to like push one another and like totally. I, I, I do that on shows all the time like I want I used to be scared of it and I still am kind of scared of it but I want more and more to follow people who are really funny because I know that's going to make me like let's see how good my jokes are if I can follow this comic who's hilarious and get like a decent response that must mean that my comedy is coming on a little bit too and you know maybe I don't do as well and mm-hmm. that's being a sports fan, I look at sets sometimes as wins and losses. Like, all right, that set was clearly, you know, I killed, I destroyed. That was like that was like a blowout win for me. If I bombed, it's like I I got killed. But and there's different ways to win and different ways to lose. But I can mm-hmm. usually just, yeah. I can feel it, and that's not that's not a bad thing mm-hmm. because in sports as in comedy the losses are way more important than the wins. You're going to lo- You're going to learn way more when you have a bad set and when you lose a game. So if, you, if I look at it like that, it's, it's all just growth. And it's just like, oh, how can I, how can I grow from this and get better? What lessons did I learn? This may be mm. the worst set I've ever had, but what did you learn from it? And you've, you learn something from every set and you learn more from your bad sets. Obviously I've learned more from my bad sets. Yeah,
0: hey man. Yeah. That's, The more I do this, the more certain points start to float to the top, and that's definitely one I find over and over. Yeah. Very important. Well, that's cool. Um, So you did comedy for about four or five years, Mm. ran out of money, stopped, jumped into the job market, Mm. got 700 jobs. And uh, and so, so, what was supposed to be just a few months, you got pulled further from comedy, you got pulled Mm -hmm. into the jobs. Mm -hmm. What was a positive break from comedy at first started to weigh on you negatively. Yeah. And so the process of going from those two jobs, and so when you, right, so when you quit, you never really, you weren't like, I'm done with this. You're always just like, let me put this comedy here on the shelf, it'll be fine waiting for me. I'll be right back two years later. What's the process from taking that, what was supposed to be a few months break to a two year window and then actually making that decision to be like, no, you know what? I'm, I'm going back.
1: Yeah. Well, I remember, I remember the last set I did before I stepped away and it was at El Chirito. It was like, it was March, March of 2015. And I remember doing the set and I kind of got off stage and I felt like I felt different. It's like, I don't think I'm going to do like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to step away. I'm just not going to do this for a little while. Like I, it felt different than I'd ever have when I got off stage. And I just kind of, and I left almost immediately. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I probably, because I could tell while I was on stage, I wasn't devoting enough time to it. Like my heart wasn't in it. And I was, my mind was somewhere else. And I'm like, all right, I need to step away for a little bit. And I'll never forget that night and that feeling. And then I was working God, for like for stretches of time, I'd go like three months without having a day off. So I was working a lot. I was busy and time was, time was flying by. Working constantly, was making money, was able to save a little bit money. And it felt good to be able to have money and like, you know, buy things that I wanted and just to have a little stability. Like, I think I just realized I'm like, oh, stability can be nice too. And then, mm-hmm. you know, that, uh, and then in 2016 is when I kind of started to get depressed because I was 2016 was a weird year and that's when I first kind of realized that comedy was really missing and 2016 that was my my last year of school so I was going to be graduating in the spring and I was For really what? like all right huh with what with, with what oh my we're well, just with my bachelor's my bachelor's creative, in creative writing creative writing right, right. yeah Cool. So when that school year started, I was like, "All right, this is my last year of school," and I was kind of thinking, like, "You probably can start doing comedy again." Like that's when I it really got into my head. I'm like, "All right, you got to start performing again." But then it was it was almost it was at the point then where I'd been away so long, it was like I was brand new, so I was like terrified of it again. I'm like, well, "I'm ter- yeah. like, well, I don't know." I still, you know, I that's so really weird. Remember remember any of my jokes? Yeah. So I'm like, if I go back, I'm gonna have all new jokes. So this is kind of like starting fresh, so it was like it was like being brand new. It was exciting and terrifying. So that's why I, I kind of had to work up the nerve to do it again.
0: Did you? And yeah, then, that's such a weird moment coming from you know you've had your successes on stage, you have proved yourself, yeah. you you can handle yourself on stage, and then suddenly you're off for a few years, and it's like wait, did I ever do this? Did do any, yeah, it got to that any point any too. I'm like, did you feel like you still had? the intangible skills of like stage presence, delivery timing, and that you just had to kind of reformat new material
1: that matched where you were? Yes and no, like I, I, I didn't know if I, how I would be on stage. It's like, what, what is, am I gonna, is my style gonna be completely different? I kinda, cause.
0: You just go up there and your Bobcat goldweight
1: all of a sudden, you just. Yeah, that would. Hey guys. What's it, like what's interesting is like we all have, the, it's it's kind of like how you see yourself is differently than how other people see you. It's the same way with comedy. Like you have an idea in your head of how you are on stage and how you think your act is, but that's why you have to watch like sets of yourself because you're like, I had no idea. Like that's what I look like on stage. Like that's <laughs> no, what my right. jokes are
0: like. That's what's coming out of my head. I did not realize that.
1: Right. It's it's like how when you see pictures of yourself, you don't recognize yourself because looking in a mirror, your brain does different things. Like that's mm. yeah, that's kind of how comedy is. And so I had watched, like, there was a, a few old sets I had. I'm like, I'll, I'll watch these. I'm like, okay, that seems familiar. But I also was a different person. I'm like, I don't want to do any of that other material. So if I'm going to do this, I wanna, I'm want i going to have, like, all new material. So it was exciting and terrifying. So you definitely made the decision to burn your old stuff and start fresh. Yeah. Part of the reason was I didn't remember a lot of it. And part of it was, <laughs> like, it's like, I hated some of it. And I'm like, this doesn't, like, this isn't who I am anymore. Outgrew it. Sure. Yeah. You gotta you grow with your material, and I was like, well i I have a bunch of stuff I want to talk about. I don't know if it's funny, so at least I kind of
0: right you, that five year mark is such a cool point because you're you've got a bunch of stuff that works usually mm-hmm. by this point, but it doesn't necessarily define you. you've just kind of figured out things to get laughter, and that's when comedians definitely start to take jokes on that they outgrow and they cling to those jokes for far too long. And then one day they're yeah. like, why isn't this working anymore? I don't yeah. know. It's, it's not you. Yeah. So you yeah. start, you started fresh. Uh, what was that process like?
1: Well, it's, it's interesting how I got back into it. It was, it was almost exactly two years. Cause it was like early March, 2017. And I was a creative writing major, but my minor was in linguistics. So I was taking a lot of linguistics classes to complete my minor. And so I could graduate that spring. And we had to do a project in one of my linguistics classes. And it was a research project. And the research project I decided to do is I was going to look at, I think I think the class was dialects of North American English. So it was about different dialects of English in the United States. And what I decided to do for my project is how comedians from different parts of the country like speak like what what are what are their dialects like does it change when they're on stage as opposed to when they're off stage so i got jacob hamill was one of the comics that agreed to do it anthony crawford was another one and then stephen aj was another one so i like i just talked to them all off stage we just had like a conversation and i recorded them just to kind of just hear their voices and to see what they did and then i recorded like a couple sets that they all did so -hmm. i was going to like open mics and like shows to like record so I could get this data and do this presentation. And it was kind of in my head, like at this time, like oh, I kind of wanted to get back into it and maybe I picked that because I was getting more interested into comedy again and I kind of wanted an excuse to be around comics again. So that's why I picked that research project. Yeah. I went to the Spruffy Murphy's open mic to record Crawford because he told me he was going to be there and I needed to get one more of his sets and he ended up not showing up. So I was just mm-hmm. there. And then Steve Vanderplug made like he signed me, he signed my name up without me noting And Ben Bryan and Alan Bromwell, like they, they were doing it uh, Lions Lair style, where you just bring up the comic without telling them
0: mm. who's
1: next, because it keeps comedians in the room. And kind of, I kind of like that style of open mic because it makes you pay attention. Makes you pay attention, and it, it kind of does make the show better. So they just yeah. kind of they brought me up, and I didn't like. I had nothing prepared. I didn't want to do it. But knowing, like, I had done comedy long enough, I knew that it was going to make the show weird if I didn't go up. Like, it, it would have been, like, a stilt. So I'm like, it was an easier thing. I'm like, all right, I just have to go up there now. It's such and a I've weird moment, up. too, where, you, that, where you're, like,
0: <sighs> going through the process of, like, what it would take to say no and what that would mean and to be yeah. like, no, and guys, I don't want to. Go I'm not a comedian, but I am. But it's like, no one gives a shit. Just get up there for a
1: couple minutes. And, and I did that, and I got, like, one laugh, and it felt like my first time again. But it I... felt...
0: You were unprepared.
1: Yeah, I was unprepared, but then but it was good, because then I realized, like, it felt like my first time, but not really. Like, I got up there, I'm like, oh, I know what this is. Like, okay, this is something I have done before. Mm. And it felt, it, uh, it wasn't a good set, obviously, but I, I got the feeling that I had from the first time I had done comedy, where I was like, all right, I want to do this. And it's just, it's one of those things where, like, if you want to start working out, you just got to go to the gym, and it's just, it's like building a habit, and... I did it that one night and then I got up a couple nights again later at El Chirito. I did another set. And then two nights after that, I went and did another open mic. And then I just kind of started doing, I would just pick like I was a new comic again. I was like, all right, I'm going to do these two mics every week. And I kind of just stuck with that. Mm. And I'm very lucky. Like the scene, I, a lot, I have still had a lot of friends in the scene and a lot of people that were happy that I was back that I got booked on a show like two months in and Mm. I was able, I was piecing together some new material. I think I had one joke from my old act that I still kind of liked and would still do, but I got booked on my first show in like late May of that year. So I'd been doing open mics again for about two months and I got booked and I was able to do, like I did a, an okay new 10 minutes of material. And then I just kind of, I started building on that, like that summer of 2017. I just, it was just something I kind of just fell back into. I just, just easy. And also, to I, I, I,
0: it. The muscle memory yeah. was there. You just started doing it again.
1: Yeah. And I also, I had, uh, I graduated that spring. So I was done with school going into that summer and I had also quit one of my jobs. Like I had quit one of my jobs right before I started again, just cause I was getting burnt out and I hated it. So I was only, I wasn't in school. I was just working one job, you know, 30, 40 hours a week and then I could do comedy. So yeah, I had the time for it again. And yeah i just i just got back into it crazy yeah
0: two jobs and school plus like yeah i mean it literally does just come down to time sometimes mm-hmm. um like what did you miss most about
1: comedy when you weren't doing it <sighs> performing it that honestly had to be the best thing with just just being on stage Mainly, you know, writing a new joke. But, and it's still, this is still the best part of it for me, when you have a new joke and you're not sure if it works and getting to do it and getting a, a good response from a new joke. Like, that's the best thing about comedy for me. But I just, I just missed, you know, crafting something, you know, coming up with, with an idea that I thought was funny and then having other people think it was funny too and getting that immediate, you know, gratification from it. Right, so, a shared mental link plus the feedback of success right yeah that is what what I and I missed you know a lot of the camaraderie just hanging out with other comedians you know yeah before shows or
0: that's something before us the next thing um the hang is always Mm -hmm. kind of something I'm interested in because I've had my times where I've been good at the hang and I've had my times where I've been bad at the hang and I feel Mm -hmm. you know there's a time in Denver I was working a lot and I was just kind of less interested in drinking and I don't know like there's There's an extra benefit to just hanging out at mm-hmm. the bar after the mic, shooting shit, going to Pete's, talking in the parking lot until four a m like yeah, how good are you at the hang, and how important is it do you think at like navigating a comedy scene?
1: I think it's very important, and like you i'm I'm better at it at other times than uh than I am at other times, but uh. I mean, it's, it's, it's very important because you see, I mean, comics are, and I've always been bad at this, going to shows that I'm not on and supporting those shows. I've tried to be better at that. Yeah, because I'm terrible at that. Well, I used to think it's like, well, if I'm not on the show, they don't want me there. Like, I thought I'd be, like, annoying. It's like, why am I going to go to a show that I'm not, like, I'm not on? It's like, one once again, that thing where you think people don't like you. But at the same time, you know, I put on a show, and when comics who aren't on come to support or they show up, Like, I'm always, like, flattered and can't believe it. I'm like, I can't believe you came to this show.
0: You don't even have stage time and you're here? Oh, God, can I give you stage time uh, What you want to drink? Yeah,
1: and that happens. Like, that's you get guest sets from doing that. Like, you you get thrown on a show more often than not. Right. Or you meet some other comics, and that can lead to you getting booked on another show.
0: Totally. Yeah.
1: And I think that might have been one of the reasons why, you know, I decided to step away. I wasn't, you know, maybe getting booked as much because I was busy and – because I was still doing comedy while I had two jobs. I was still, like, very – very barely had had my toe still in. And I was – wasn't – you know, I was actually turning down – I'd get booked, and then I had to turn down shows because I was so busy, but I was still, like, trying to do it. So I just – I I wasn't hanging. And, I like, there were so other comics who were hanging out, you know, seven days a week. And yeah, I was kind of, like, jealous. And I was like, well, they don't fucking – why – I you know, I'm so busy. I can't do that. But – it's an important part of it like going uh going to comedy works I was I was pretty good about that when I first moved to Denver but I'm terrible I'm still terrible Mm -hmm. about that just going there every Tuesday and just showing my face like I'm maybe there one Tuesday a month and like you like that's the whole game there like you just have to be there and it's not you know it's not wrong or right it's just what it is like if you want to you just have to be there (laughs) and I'm definitely bad at that but like i you know, I tried to be better it's like all right I'm going to go to these open mics every week whether or not cuz I've been back I mean the whole comedy world's kind of stopped now like open mics aren't really a thing anymore mm-hmm. which uh which sucks cuz I that's 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 how I would write I'd write from stage a lot
0: yeah I mean there to talk about covid I mean there are, there are people doing those mics outside and they're definitely popping up now more than ever I mean are yeah. are you just not trying to get back to them immediately, like until it's more of like the classic open mic experience or, cause they're out there. Yeah. Is that's true. Like, cause every comedian has a different, I've talked to some comedians who are so pumped to come out and I've talked to other comedians who say it is literally immoral to be doing stand up right now. If there's a chance you
1: could infect someone with and kill them, you know, yeah. where, like, where do you lie on that scale? Well, I mean, I've been doing shows. I just haven't been doing open mics. Like mm-hmm. I think cause I, I did two shows at the Denver comedy lounge this weekend. Like I want to do it. It's something I want to do. Like I want to perform and it feels like I've, you know, I'm getting paid for shows. So like, it feels like it's kind of worth the risk. Like I need to make money right now and mm-hmm. I might as well make money doing something I like. And people are kind of craving live entertainment. So it seems like a thing. So safety's not a concern. With. The shows are fine. And I'll yeah, be- I'm only doing, I'm only doing outdoor shows. Like I'm, I feel a little weird about doing indoor shows still. Like I'm not, uh, not too keen on that. I think like while we while we can do sh- shows outside, I think it's a good thing to do shows outside. Still, I mean, if people are going to be hanging out in parks, we might as well be doing shows mm. outside as well. If you take all the safety precautions, and every show I've done has taken a lot of safety precautions, like it's not, it's not too many people. Everyone's spaced out, and everyone in the audience is taking it really seriously, which has been nice. I think.
0: That's cool. Do they been, switch the mic every comic or something?
1: Or like, uh, yes. Some shows, the shows the I did this it? weekend, everyone had a new mic. The host switched the mic for everybody. And I've done shows with, uh, with mic condoms. Have you seen these mic condoms? Uh, I've actually bought a, because I'm going to be put on a show, and I bought a bag of them. So I, every comic gets their own like thing to put over the mic. Is it just and like a little, just a little paper windscreen kind of a thing? Yeah, you just put it over there and then you wipe down the mic handle with sanitizer or like wet Clorox wipes between every comic. Okay. And uh, not so bad.
0: And so uh, do you think, how's the the show quality affected? Do you think the weirdness of having it outside and all of these things that would usually be negative for a comedy show, a non-traditional setup, do you think that almost didn't matter in the face of people are so desperate for like entertainment and kind of a
1: normal social situation that they were just happy to give their laughter or where Yeah, they, I think, I think it? it works better in Denver than in other cities because Denver people love to do shit outside in Denver pandemic or not and I remember like I've done comedy shows outside in the past in Denver and people always like think it's a great idea. It's like oh we're, we're gonna it's gonna be a show outside like Katie and I uh, my girlfriend we run a show we both run shows at a brewery called call to arms brewing. And we did like three outdoor shows last summer. And like, they were all packed. Like people love the idea of going to a show outside. And that's when you could do comedy in a traditional setting. So like if the weather's nice, even if the weather's not nice, people like to do stuff outside here, but if the weather's nice, people are like, Oh yeah, let's just be outside and enjoy this. So it hasn't really affected the quality of the show at all. People are just kind of happy to be there. It's going to be interesting. Like when the weather gets bad, And two weeks ago when there was snow, there was an outdoor show. And like, I think it was two weeks ago, Wednesday, and it was was like high thirties and the show was still packed. Like they had some heaters out there and people still showed up with blankets and coats and they're like, yeah, we'll watch the show. So I think as long as it's not like below freezing or like really bad wind, I think people are going to, you're going to see outdoor shows in the winter here. And you know, people are kind of just, they'll bring hot cocoa or they'll have, their hot tidies. while they watch the show. Maybe you make the shows a little bit shorter, but people are going to, they're going to come out. People are going to enjoy it.
0: Hmm. That's cool. Com comedy's one of those kind of special things that finds a way. Mm-hmm. Um, you do any of those Zoom shows or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I did some Zoom shows. Early on, I was running Katie. Mike, we, would, uh, we were trying to do shows every Wednesday on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And those, I mean, they worked for a little bit. People uh we did them because we had people like who would go to our regular shows they wanted uh they wanted zoom comedy so like audience members wanted they're like this is something we kind of want and like i didn't really it's it wasn't the most fun thing to do obviously and like comics didn't really like it but i'm like well if people want something like if we could provide some type of service right now if they kind of want comedy i'll do it if like people actually want it and then they you know tipped on venmo so it was a way to make a little bit of money and they seemed to enjoy it. So that worked for a little bit. And then once the weather got nicer, people were like, all right, we're going to go outside and do stuff now. And there wasn't as much of a demand for it. And I've done other people's shows. And, you know, I love it and hate it. It's not really stand up. It's a whole, it's a, it's kind of a different art form, but it's not, it's not, I mean, it's not like a bad thing to do. Like, I think it could help you be a better stand up because in all honesty it's harder than actual stand up because in order for something to work, like the joke had to be really funny, like to be in like a, a zoom room with other people, if you wanted to get any type of laughs, like the joke had to work, so it mm-hmm. helped writing that way like and it probably helped your performing a little bit too because you have to sell stuff like there's not that uh that thing where you're just you're in a room with other people and they can kind of get a read on Like you had to yeah, actually, eye contact and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You had to sell your material a little bit more. You had to, because they're at home and maybe not paying a, as attention as well. You had to kind of get their attention a little bit more. Yeah. So I didn't like it. And the reason a lot of comics hate it, because you, you feel like an asshole when you do it, like you feel very weird. Mm. And I think I honestly it kind of reminds you of when you first start doing comedy, you feel it's like, I, these people hate me like this feels. So you're embarrassed. And yeah, it's definitely not the, the ideal way to see comedy, but. Sure. And people had to learn how to do
0: it. I think there was, yeah. a, there was a bit of a learning curve where people had to mm-hmm. figure out how cameras work and adjust for the lack of laughter and all that kind of, the same thing like the late night hosts have been awkward in their living rooms for, you know, this whole COVID thing. Exactly. Had to relearn it. So I asked about what you missed when you walked away from stand-up. What did you not miss?
1: I didn't miss how, you know, the shit talking, the negativity, where you're talking shit about, about, it was nice to not personally talk shit about comedians for a while and not have people worry about, you know, them talking shit about you. Just mm. kind of the jealousy of it, a lot of jealousy in comedy. And I'm guilty of, you know, being a jealous person at times. So it was kind of nice to not feel jealousy <laughs> for a while it was nice to not have to go to, to bad open mics and you know waste you know three hours of a night just waiting to go up and then having a bad set and just not having a lot of fun and sometimes going to bed at a decent hour or just doing something else fun that I liked uh those are probably the two biggest things yeah. that I didn't miss at all just the, the jealous feeling worried if someone's getting something that I'm not getting and just the, the really long bad nights at open mics those are the two mm-hmm. things i did not miss at all and then i kind of learned to to love those things again to just kind of embrace like embrace bombing or in, and embrace bad shows cuz they are necessary but it's really yeah i don't i don't miss i don't miss bad open mics for sure
0: yeah bad open mics seem to be the first symptom of walking away from stand up yeah you, when you start chilling on the open mics some you know they're the lowest tier of comedy they're the the training grounds but yeah when the grind you know becomes painful instead of strengthening you know people you're supposed to be told to go out you need to go to these crappy open mics forever but um you know eventually do you that's the thing it's like once you're five years in once you're 10 years in so so going back to open mics you've you've managed to like take all those feelings put them validate them put them aside and be like no i'm back huh? doing those mics. of course you know in corona it's do you think if um corona wasn't happening you'd be like back at the mics five seven days a week or is there like a new comedy rhythm that you have to hit to figure out exactly how you do best living your life with the you know as a comedian
1: I mean, before the shutdown, I had a routine where it was like every Monday and Tuesday I would do an open mic. And I'd usually be nights where I'd work and I'd go to work and then I'd get off and just go right to the mic. So that was kind of my routine. Like I'd, I'd always at least hit mics on Monday or Tuesday. And then how much other work I would do would depend on bookings I had. So if I had a lot of other shows booked during the week, I would try to take no more than two nights off a week. And usually have one night where I would be at work and then I'd go home. So I would just go right home after work. And then have one night where I just wasn't at work and I wasn't doing comedy. Uh, But like, say if there was a week where I had no shows, I would try to get up at least five times a week or go out five nights a week. That was my thing to do. And the show I would run was, was on Wednesdays. So I'd be like, I have my show every month on Wednesdays. Katie and I were running a weekly show on Thursdays too. So that was a big, I was hosting a show three times a month. So I was, you know, booking and running two shows and that that took up a lot of time, but that was good because it was stage time. I was you know getting better at hosting, and
0: uh, yeah I was that's probably, a good
1: skill. yeah, so I was actually you know doing new material on uh, on actual shows more than I was before, so maybe I wasn't hitting mics as much as I was, but uh, I was I was at least performing five times a week, so that's a good right. that's a good mark to hit in Denver, I think. hmm. I mean it's good to get up as much as you can It's some it, I mean sometimes you, it can be counterproductive doing more sets than you need to
0: right if you're doing uh, the same
1: thing over and over everyone sees yeah. it too much yeah you get bad habits but uh in a city like denver five times i felt was like a good mark for a week in new i mean in new york you can do there's comics i know where they they, they perform 25 times in a week and it's you know. That is a way to get better fast and to get kind of more comfortable on stage. And I think the benefit of that sometimes you just get all your bad sets out of your system quick. Cause that's most of what comedy is. is I think we
0: just have a reservoir of like, I've got 300 bad sets and me start to time to start spitting them out. You know, so I get to the good stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, it's that, it's that, and you're just, you're not that good early on. So you have to, you're finding your voice one. And also you're becoming comfortable with not doing well. That's a huge part of comedy mm. is to be comfortable just going into a set, not knowing if you're going to do well or not, but just knowing like, hey, if this goes terribly, I know how to handle this. Like, I'm going to be okay. Because right. that's what keeps. That's why everyone doesn't do it. People are terrified of bombing. Like, that's what gets a lot of people stop after their first time for that. That's what stops most people from ever trying it. So mm-hmm. if you just know it's like, all right, I've, I've done this before and it's gone terribly and I've done it again. And I, this might this might go really bad, but I know how to at least fill my time and survive and look at least competent up there. Like, maybe this audience isn't going to think I'm funny, but at least they'll believe, like, all right, this guy is a comedian. Like, we don't like him, but...
0: Just an off night, sure. Not like, yeah. what are you doing on stage?
1: Yeah. And, like, that's that's what makes comedy still fun for me is, like, I, the anticipation before a set, like, how is this going to go? And I've gotten to the point now where it's like I still... And, you know, I did two shows this weekend. My show on Friday went a lot better than it did on Saturday. Like Saturday, I had an okay set and the crowd hated some of my jokes. But, you know, er- early on after a joke not working, maybe I panic and I speed up a little bit and I just try to get, and it just kind of snowballs. And I've gotten to the point sometimes where I'm, I'm like, am I too comfortable like not having a good set right now? Because it's, it's not that I don't care. Like I want all my jokes to land, but I'm like, I don't care if people don't like a joke. Like, I'm not, I've never been a comic to like berate an audience if I'm doing poorly. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm still gonna get money for this. Like, this is still fun and easy as shit. Like, I just have to talk for 10 minutes to make money. Like, I really like, <laughs>
0: I'm you like, at like, like hey, that, I, yeah.
1: yeah. don't laugh. That's fine. So sometimes I feel like maybe I should dig in more, but sometimes I'm like, yeah, they just didn't like the joke. Who gives a shit? Like, that's.
0: Right, how desperate do you want to be for their laughter versus like, yeah. shooting from the heels, that kind of a thing.
1: I think that's a, that's a big lesson I've learned because early on, yeah. mm-hmm. I would get like kind of angry at audiences and I would get, you know, kind of bitter. But it, and then I was just like, it's like, who gets?
0: it's the worst then. I, there's some comics I remember who just go straight up on the open mic and be like, oh, that crushed at Comedy Works. You're all gross. Like, you yeah. all are a shitty It's like a great way to endear yourself to the audience.
1: And sometimes you think you're doing bad, but you're actually not doing as bad. Like sometimes audiences are like, they're smilers is what I call them. Right. They're, they're having a good time, but it's just people feel like they don't want to be the person that's laughing. It's just like, <laughs> like <laughs> right. To that, laughter. that happened on that Saturday show. Like I thought at best, my set was okay. I thought I completely bombed. And then I got off stage and I had like 10 people come up and like, say they liked a certain joke. And I was like, all right, well they were and Im- it. I was like, all right, well, some people liked it, and I was like, well, it's a good thing I didn't, like, shit on the audience or, like, get upset at them because, like, some people actually did have a good time.
0: Right, right, or yourself, yeah. like, you know, there's, there's calling out your own joke that doesn't do well, but then if you start to make that the whole theme of the set about how much mm-hmm. you suck. It's, yeah, it's another way of spiraling, blaming the audience, blaming yourself, mm-hmm. not just putting in the time, telling some jokes, and going on to the next one, for sure. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, the whole dynamic, it's going to be interesting to see how crowd reactions adapt and recover throughout this whole thing. Um, do you still watch stand up? And did you watch stand up throughout the quitting and not? A lot of people, you know, have trouble watching any stand up, they're afraid it's going to alter their own act and then let alone when they stop, it's like a reminder of all the bullshit. Did you um, always I- watch? Did you not?
1: When I stepped away, I didn't watch any comedy at all for kind of that first time. And then I kind of really started, I got back into the, the comics that I really loved that made me want to do comedy. So I kind of, I, I started to fall back in love by watching it again. I wasn't watching it. I wasn't like a comedy nerd. Like I had my, like I had a comic that I liked that had a new special. I was excited. I'm like, oh, I want to watch this new special. Mm-hmm. And it made it a little bit easier to watch like specials and watch, you know, comedians on YouTube. Because towards the end, before I stopped, I wasn't watching as much comedy anymore because I maybe was starting to hate it a little bit because I was seeing it a lot. Mm-hmm. And now I'm at the point where I kind of like, I am I think I have a healthy balance. Like I find comics I like and I'm more into, uh, I guess just listening to comedians I like on podcasts, just be funny and kind of that way. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of like, I'll, I'll discover a comic and I'll just get really into them for a while. And then if I, I feel like they're influencing my stand-up too much and I'll be like, all right, I'm not going to watch them as much anymore. But uh, yeah, before the shutdown, I was going, I was actually going to more shows at comedy works than I ever had just to watch like headliners. And I felt like that was kind of helping me too, just to see not, not comics who weren't necessarily like my favorite comics, but I was like, all right, this be interesting to see how this comic works, how they headline just to see the, their process and how they work. And I think that was making me a better comic too. So I, be- I became a better student and mm-hmm. yeah, there's still, it's, it's definitely hard for me to watch like a special at home on Netflix, but I think it's, it's been, e- it's easier for me to go and see like a show than it was before. Cause before I never wanted to go see like, oh, I don't want to go see this headliner. I don't want to go to a show that I'm not on. And now I'm more inclined to do that and like mm-hmm. to go out and support someone else's show or to go and see a headliner. But like it's it's definitely still a little bit hard for me to watch like a full hour long Netflix special.
0: So I know it's hard to see the future, but can you ever foresee a situation where you quit again?
1: See, I was always, that's something I've been like worried about since I got back, like, oh, am I, am I gonna quit again? Like, am I gonna start to hate it again? Like I'm terrified- Every
0: year seasonally, come back in yeah, spring. So- and-
1: so I've kind of just got that out of my head and like I don't care anymore. Like I maybe I quit, maybe I don't, but it doesn't Who cares? Because my my goals have drastically changed with stand up. I I realize now like I just wanna do it. Like I'm I'm gonna need to make money. I'll pro I may, you know, more than likely have to have another job the entire time I do it, but I like doing it so much. It's, that its just own do it. and I know what life is like as, you know, being a semi adult and not having stand up. You know, I was twenty five and twenty six years old and i knew what it was like to not do it and it was kind of fun but it, you know i missed it like in like yeah stand up sucks sometimes and the life of it sucks but just doing it is better than not doing it like i like i just like doing it like and i love. think comics and that's maybe maybe the best thing that came out of quitting like i realized it's like okay this is actually life without it isn't that great like there's good aspects about it but i really it is it's something that, that I, will, I love to do mm. Because I think I'm, I've never been a person that's like I, having a lot of money would be great, obviously. I'd love to be rich. <laughs> I'd, You know, I'd love to not worry about bills and have a little bit of a bigger house, being able to, you know, take trips and not worry about it.
0: I think the but burden you, of worrying about money is something that we don't think about as a society, like how incredible that would be to, like when that part is lifted from your brain of like, oh shit, if uh, I don't make money, I'm going to die. Like, yeah it's, yeah, it's kind of that secret goal, but, yeah, but at the same point, right, it's, you realize, like, now more than ever, there's a very good chance, most of us will be working until we die, you know, yeah, and most working comedians, amazing, funny people you meet that you're, wow, how is this person not bigger than Kevin Hart, they work as an insurance adjuster, you know, like dental assistant, whatever the hell's going on, Mm -hmm. yeah, but, but coming to terms with that, so that was the big, the big shift. When before you had that, were you? Uh, did you allow yourself to be like, all right, year four HBO special, year five uh, movie, year six world tour? Like, let yourself dream those big, fantastic dreams.
1: Yeah, you have those ridiculous dreams right when you get in, and I think that's it's kind of necessary at a certain point. Like getting in, I'm like, I want to be like, you know, a, like one of the top great comedians of all time. Like, I just want to be a right. comedy. Right. I love those goals. That's, that's an especially good one where it's like, fuck all that. I just want to be the goat, baby. I just want to be really good. That's not a bad goal to have to want to be really good at something. That's actually, that's something you can work towards. Instead of being like, I want to, yeah. Instead of being like, oh, I want to, comics that like want to make a certain, like there's a Todd Berry joke where like Todd Berry's doing a show and he, he gets done and someone in the audience is like interested in doing comedy. And he's like, how long into comedy did you do it before you made your first million dollars? Like that's what he asked Todd Berry. And Todd's like, what? He's like, I've never I don't have a million dollars. And he's like, <laughs> That's why you want to get into comedy is like to make a wow but he does it, he does it in the Todd Berry way, but like a guy phrase, like, when did you make your first million? It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but I was like that before, like, oh I'll be in like insanely successful. And now I'm at the point. Or, like, I want to make $45,000 a year doing it, and I would be the happiest person ever. yeah. I just have that number in my head. And that's not a lot of money. Like, people, like, I've told my family that, and they're like, oh, you need to, I'm like, that's all I want, because.
0: Yeah, well below, like, a middle-class income, quote-unquote. Yeah,
1: but I'm, like, a creatively driven person. Like, I just want my stand-up to be good. I want people, I don't need a lot of people to like it, but I like when people, I'd like to have a small set of fans that are like, This is good. It makes us happy. And I it's something that I made, which I feel really good about. And like that means a lot more to me than that and being happy means a lot more to me than having a job where I'm making an insane amount of money or, you know, I'm having, you know, insane amount of wealth. And maybe it sounds like I'm trying to be more evolved and I'm not I'm not shallow. But it's just something that I just don't really care that much about. I'd rather be comfortable with a little bit less money doing something I like as opposed to having a job that I fucking hate because I used to I'm looking for a job right now that's why it's been nice to get these gigs where I'm making money because I'm actually I'm just a working comedian right now I'm just making money from stand-up and when I I used to the last restaurant that I worked at you know it was uh, it was in Rhino and a lot of people that came in you know young professionals a lot of young people that made a lot of money and you'd see a lot of people on their lunch breaks and they had really good paying jobs and I saw how miserable a lot of those people were and i'm like all right this is a lot of these people this is not what they wanted to do like they're, they're not fulfilled in any in any way right now you meet some people that, are, that love their jobs and that's great like you, some people are really happy they're really excited about what they're doing like all right they're in the right frame of work but so many people that you just see like they were like they were they were very rude and a lot of the time like i'm working as a food runner expo in this restaurant and i was happier than everyone in there I'm like I get to go and do stand up tonight and I I worked with a lot of people who were like envious and jealous of everyone that we were waiting on and I'm like ah oh, this that not be that successful and I was like like that's the end but I was like like fuck I like I was like they look miserable like I I didn't mm. see myself like I don't want to be that like I was fine with just having the stand up and being able to create something and I think people that's what's really nice about having a craft like people that don't have crafts don't understand that and it, i mean your craft can be anything like if it's if it's woodworking or even uh maybe you're like you're like a yoga instructor if you just have something that you're trying to work on or perfect like that that can give you so much you don't even really have to be good at it and i don't think people realize that right like that's why you see people like they get really happy once they find a new hobby like i've seen a lot of guys get into ju- jitsu. And it's
0: That's such an interesting like thirty plus, forty yeah. plus guy thing. Like I definitely have a couple of comic friends who've been like Yeah, um, I'm a jiu-jitsu dude now, which is awesome. I love I'm a martial arts guy myself, but
1: Yeah, that's yeah. how I'm with
0: you. yeah. But there's the camaraderie, the the tr- there's so many parallels to stand up, like that growth that that yeah. Especially the fun parts in the beginning where you're learning so much about this new world.
1: Yeah. Martial arts and golf are a lot like comedy. There's a lot of parallels that I've found. Just huh. like the the thing I've noticed, because I'm a golfer, and the thing I've noticed the most with golf is yeah, golf. Explain the a...
0: golf to me, because I, I get the martial arts, but the golf, that's.
1: Golf, it's like you're you're alone just like you are in comedy. There's more failure than anything. Like, the only way to get better is, like, you have to do constant repetition at it, and you're going to have way more. You're going to be awful at golf for a lot longer than you're ever going to be good at it, you're just like kind of stand-up is. But it's also addicting in the same way, where you have one good shot in golf that makes you want to play golf for 10 more years like having one good set in comedy will keep wow. you chasing it so totally. there's so many parallels in that like i started doing yoga in the last year and i got way into it and it was like i forgot how like finding something new like to work on and try to get better at can make you that much happier hmm. so just like just having things like that i guess having you know a like a I guess a lot of a lot of people in this state are happy because people in Colorado do a lot of shit, like people like hiking like they they move out here to snowboard and ski, so like they have things that they're interested in so that their jobs really aren't giving them all the meaning you meet so I think that's sure. why that's part of the reason a lot of the people you meet around Denver maybe seem a little happier than other places
0: yeah, I want you know it's interesting to think about like the crowd mentality versus you know this city versus like New York or l a or mm-hmm you know, any other city, every, that's what's so cool about like going out on the road with when that was a thing or when you are allowed to travel, like soaking up all those weird crowds that teach you a a unique lesson from each one. Um, That's interesting with the, yeah, the parallels between golf and stand up and that kind of a thing. That one good set that gets you hooked, that one laugh, right, that makes it. And that, thats such a cool moment of clarity that you have at the restaurant. Like you're a food runner, mm-hmm. by all purposes, these like tr- fancy suited people are looking down on you or yeah. being nice to the food runner. Oh, is the less fortunate man. And th- but then you could smell their misery. You could just like
1: yeah, see it. It's a lot. Yeah, a lot of people with tech jobs. Like that was the neighborhood. Like not. I see, It seems like more and more people are getting away from the suit and ties, and it's like they just kind of wear whatever they want to work. So it was like the very the very hip crowd coming in. And I remember one time at uh, – this was years ago. I worked at that restaurant for five years. But one time a guy at a table told one of our managers while he was handing him his credit card to pay. He's like, uh, can you run this? We all have real jobs we need to get back to, like kind of just <laughs> shitting on. And it, I remember it pissed me off Jeez. a little bit at the time. And it made like our manager furious and everyone else they're furious. And I was like, who gives a shit? Like – like it like who who cares what this fucking asshole thinks like it doesn't matter. Ugh, I'm on the
0: fence there, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like what a what I, like who like we like and I heard people like they say it's not a real job and like that used to get me furious. It's like, well, it's hard and like it's it's necessary like everyone loves to go out to eat. People need to work in restaurants. Like how do you think? Right. And some people are lifers and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, how do you think that's going to function? I mean you go to a restaurant and you have bad service and you get upset about that don't you want someone there doing a good job like I don't
0: right a real job someone who takes... Yeah, and and that's a, what and to say it to the manager i get it if you're like the kind of person who thinks that everyone who is a waiter is just working towards some other kind of job and it's always temporary and you mm. for some reason you're like oh a real job but to say it to the manager of a restaurant that is a business and runs you know like feeds people yeah yeah, that's the same, you know, and I've seen that arrogance in stand-up too. I guess, you know, yeah. anyone can kind of develop it, but the core happiness, even though you're not making money, you're doing something that you believe in, something you like, something you want, it just sucks that that's the decision so much at the time. Exactly. It's like, how many people in this world would devote themselves to some beautiful, cool, creative pursuit if they didn't have to hold it down to Burger King? Yeah. You know? Or yeah. even at a tech job or something, you know, all these brilliant yeah. minds doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. One of my good buddies who was a roommate of mine got a chemical engineering degree and he moved out to Denver because he got a six figure job working in engineering. And he quit that to go work at the steakhouse where I met him at. He like, he went back to Roots Chris to be a food runner and then eventually worked his way up because he was way happier at the restaurant. And it's being, working in a restaurant can be miserable at times, but he was miserable with this six figure like hated having this six figure job and Crazy. went to work in a restaurant so that grass is always greener huh? like exactly it's like you're, you're better off doing something you don't it's hard to find a job you love like you you no, most people aren't that lucky but to find something that doesn't make you miserable that's kind of where you need to look like find something that you at least get a sense of satisfaction out of mm. that doesn't make you want to kill yourself i think that's <laughs> <if> you can <laughs> yeah. find that you're in a good space it's an important moral <laughs> mm.
0: so how has Doing comedy changed who you are.
1: I think the most positive aspect it's had on me is it's, it's made me okay with all my flaws and it's a lot harder. Like I don't get embarrassed as much. Like I'm not, not that I don't care what people think. Like I still I, I want, like most comics, I want everyone to like me. Like I still have that. It's made me a lot better with like awkward moments. Like I don't, I'm not, I don't care. When I was working at the restaurant, like embarrassing things happen at restaurants sometimes. Like, I would I would drop stuff, and, like, it did nothing. Like, I just didn't, like, the whole restaurant would look at me, and I was like, oh, who, gives, who gives a shit? Like, it didn't affect me. Like, people would, f- like, get embarrassed for me, and I'm like, it's like, I don't really... And is it just because you've dealt with stand-up, which is just such a different level of pressure and expectation exactly. that this moment yeah.
0: nothing? All right.
1: It's made me okay. I think it, the way I'm trying to phrase it, it's made me accept mistakes that I make in my life better. Like, it's... Things aren't always going to go your way and like, that's, that's okay.
0: Hmm. You can, you can handle it. You can bounce back.
1: Negatively. I think it's affected me where it's, it's kind of harder for me to have relationships maybe with people that aren't stand-up comedians. Like I can, I can be a little isolated from people that don't do it. I have a, a slightly harder time connecting. So I have to force myself to make more of an effort to like interact with people who aren't comedians. And I've gotten a little bit better at that. Just, you know, building relationships with people that aren't comics and working on my communication that way. Because I have a tendency to be a guy you who know, just kind of stares at his phone or just kind of wants to be by himself in a group of people mm. that aren't comedians. So it's made me kind of isolate in that way. But that's it's something that I've been working on.
0: Yeah. It's so it's so weird. It's like being a hitman or something. We're like talking to a normal person. You're like, will they understand this extremely complicated aspect of my life? Like yeah, do I, I mean, even need to go there? is it worth yeah. the labor of explaining and talking and One thing that uh, is always annoying and I like to ask every guest is when people do find out you're a comedian for the first time, uh, what do you say when they go, Oh, tell me a joke.
1: I used to get like really embarrassed and like nervous when that would happen. And I'd feel like I had to do, like, I would feel awkward. I'd feel like I'd let them down if I didn't do something. I hate that. But I've gotten so comfortable at just telling them, no, like I'm not going to do that. I just tell them like, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. And if they kind of like, I've, I've gotten a lot more comfortable with that to the point where like if they get upset, I'm happy. It's like, no, I'm not going to do like, I
0: don't.
1: Why would I do that? And (laughs) I kind of, I kind of berate them in a way where like that's funny. And I'm like, I'm not going to just tell you a joke. (laughs) Like my, I'm like my act. I always like a go-to. I'm like, my act is like observational. Like it's, I don't. Yeah. Or I have like stock jokes that I can tell.
0: Right. Trying to keep a back pocket joke to throw out. Yeah. It's like going. It's yeah. If you're in it long enough, I think you go through phases where you're like, you really try and tell the joke at first, yeah. and then you're like, no, what? You go up to a doctor and ask him to look at a mole on your ass, with like, yeah. uh, like, and then you go on the yeah. other side of that, and you're like, okay, but these people aren't trying to be assholes. They're just excited and they don't know. Yeah. But like, there are a lot, a lot of comedians who delight in being like, no, what do you? What are you stupid like? I've got yeah, a job for you right now.
1: Well, like in the past, I would get really embarrassed, but I also. I would be like, I want to impress this person, but I also wouldn't tell people that I knew that I was doing a show because I was embarrassed about them seeing me have a bad set. And now I've gotten a lot better at telling people I know to come, like I want people to come mm. on the shows. I've gotten a little more comfortable. It's like, oh, this is a thing I'm doing That's, I'm, i That's can definitely
0: relate to. It took me yeah, years to invite people.
1: Yeah, because I am a little more comfortable like, well, if I bomb, like I think this person still likes me and if they don't like me because I bomb, fuck them. It's about the thing of not being as embarrassed anymore. Right. But yeah, a lot uh, of times they'll have your back
0: and then you have this bonding experience where they like, they've been brought into the situation of a bomb and they get a like, vicariously experience this interesting comedy moment through you.
1: Exactly. Where they're an asshole,
0: right? Yeah. Any regrets? If you could go back to when you started comedy and do it differently, what would you do?
1: Yeah. Not that I didn't take it seriously, but I would take it more seriously. Like maybe I wouldn't, you know, partake in the drinking as much or just the partying aspect. And I'd kind of just try to...
0: Even though we said on. that there's value in the partying.
1: There is value, but there's also value in, you know, not being drunk seven days a week. Like you can hang out <laughs> with people without getting completely bombed. Mm. So, you know, finding a happy medium with that, networking a lot better, just being a better communicator with other people. Not... uh like being afraid to change my act as much like before you get, I got so married to my jokes and this idea of what I thought I was as a comedian or what I thought a comedian should be that I was kind of like, you know, fuck the audience. And like, I, like I know what's funny and I know the right way to do this. So being a little more open to criticism and just being willing to adapt a little bit better and mm-hmm. not just kind of, and I have a problem with that with all you know facets of my life. So just being able to adapt a little bit easier to that and, uh, I'm getting better with it now, but early on, just I was, you know, deathly terrified of like failure. So just not being as afraid. You know, I was was performing, but I you know, was really, I really wanted, you know, people in the scene to like me. I was afraid of having bad sets so I wouldn't go to certain open mics if I thought I was going to bonk. I'm like, all these people. So high-stakes
0: ones with the cool kids.
1: Yeah. Not being as afraid of that stuff. And that stuff, I a lot. Of, some of that stuff you grow out of. You're someone in your early 20s. I mean, that's a that's a nightmare for any. I mean, no one knows who they. Right. Are you're point. navigating that stuff, whether
0: you're doing comedy or not. Right. Yeah. Which is definitely, you know, if you had started in your 30s, this would be a completely different conversation. Yeah. Damn. Very cool. A lot of interesting things that we covered here. But overall, you did. You didn't. You're doing again. You've got a, a completely different attitude from when you started. It seems like a much healthier, much more, just been in the game longer. I mean, it really does. The years you're in comedy and the more you experience it changes you. You have a, you have a human age and you have a comedy age. Yeah. And once you get past that kind of teenager phase and kind of figure out your identity, yeah, it seems very empowering to the, the yeah. place you've kind of arrived at, that you can kind of take that the fame hat and the expectation hat and all that And you, all you're left with is the, the joy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've gotten a, my relationship with comedy is a lot healthier and I'm still working on, you know, other aspects of my life. I have so much work to do. Sure.
0: As, as a comedy, you can't stop working on either. I mean, it's always no. a process.
1: Where yeah. And I realize like now I'm at a point in my life where I have more I have more work to do on, you know, the, the personal side of my life, I feel, as opposed to the comedian side. Like, I feel like my relationship with comedy is a lot healthier right now. And now I'm working on other aspects. I'm Like, I'm trying to get my mental health a little bit better. I'm trying to, you know, figure out other, like, you know, possible career I'd like to have. Wait,
0: are you going to get, get too happy to be funny now?
1: That'll never happen. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't think that'll ever happen. There's always, I'd love if that could happen. <laughs> i could get, I get to the point where i'm so
0: happy wouldn't that be weird yeah comedians all would, comedians eventually just graduate and one day they wake up
1: happy but not funny anymore yeah the like disease <laughs> that happens i don't know if that that doesn't really happen with comedians but sometimes the comics who get too successful like they can get out of touch Sure. i don't think and or a burn, lot of up all the,
0: burn up all the funny things they had to talk about and now all yeah. they have is airport jokes Right. yeah they just can't relate anymore yeah it's funny man as, as confident as you can be in it there's always interesting things that pop up and yeah i think that's the that's part of the beauty of it and no yeah. one ever figures this thing out completely and north should they or north can anyone like yes even Chappelle or you know whatever it is yeah um cool uh any final thoughts we've been everywhere we've done everything what Ed, what i miss what uh what do you want to Tell the universe and the uh, the listeners that are going to be viewing this in 1,000 years in their comedy anthropology class when we are long dead.
1: To to those people. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm, I hope the world's still here. <laughs> right. I hope. Uh, they're probably they're studying 2020 and that class and it's a nightmare. There's a whole uh, major on 2020, not just a course. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ, you know, take the working on the craft seriously. Like you can be serious about it, but never take comedy too seriously. Mm -hmm. Never let the fun aspect of it leave. If you're trying to do it, like never, never let it like, don't let the comedy monster eat you. Like don't let the idea Mm -hmm. of you being a comedian ever override the fact that you're, you're a human being too. Like don't get so obsessed with this idea of comedians being you know depressed or just being these kind of just, you know, subverts human. of people
0: mm-hmm. where you
1: feel like you can't relate to other people or you're more depressed. Like so many other people are depressed and you can, you can relate with so many people that aren't comedians too. And mm-hmm. nothing in comedy is worth your soul. And there's nothing more important than, you know, being a solid human being and a good person. Like that's, that's way more important than anything you can ever get in comedy. Cause you watch, you know, so many comedians they 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 sell their soul in a sense because they just want to be successful in comedy. And like none of that's worth it. Like most of those people aren't happy. So that's what I would say. Mm. None of it, nothing in comedy is worth your soul. I love it. Chef's kiss.
0: It's a perfect uh perfect bow to tie on this episode. Thanks so much for uh giving your cool perspective on this. Uh I'd say I'll see you out there, but uh, I'm not going to for a while. Yeah, uh, and um, yeah, bro. Thanks, thanks for sharing your story.
1: Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, definitely.